0: Welcome to Gleaning and Gathering. My name is Eric Heimlich and I am your host today. And today I'd like to talk with you a little bit about living without regret. Psalms chapter 39 is a passage that I've been thinking about this week and contemplating. You know, life is full of troubles and if you're not in trouble or coming out of trouble, uh, you're probably going to soon be in trouble. Trouble comes to all of us But uh, sometimes we bring trouble on ourselves with our actions or our inaction. And such was the case in David's life. It all went back to his sin with Bathsheba, really. And there was a pattern that began to form in his home. David's way of dealing with things was really not dealing with them. And so you have Amnon's sin, sexually assaulting Absalom's sister Tamar. That should have been severely punished by David, but it wasn't. And because the king didn't act... Absalom took matters into his own hands and he killed Amnon. And that sin of murder should have been punished as well, but it wasn't. And so after fleeing from David, Absalom slowly returns to the kingdom. There's no real punishment. Nothing's done. And so he begins to sit in the gate and listen to problems of other people, problems that the king should have been addressing, but probably wasn't. And Absalom deals with these issues. He curries favor He steals away the hearts of the people. And then finally comes that day when he hatches the plot to overthrow his father and to become king. And he's aided by people who are tired of David's inaction. They're frustrated about other issues. He assembles this formidable plot. And David goes from being the established king to walking out of Jerusalem with the clothes on his back, fleeing for his life. We see this story in 2 Samuel chapter 15. You know, when life is going well, we feel secure. But it's in times like these that we see more clearly what life is really all about. And we learn things here that we could never learn in a place of prosperity. Many commentators believe that this is the backdrop of Psalms 39. You know, I think about the words um, Stephen Covey writes, begin with the end in mind. In Psalms 39 verse 4, One translation says, help me to understand my mortality. Let me realize how quickly my life will pass. You know, we don't understand. We don't realize. Two friends just this week received word that they don't have long to live. It made me start to think about my own life. You know, the doctors have done everything that they can do. And at best, they most likely have just a few months to live. It got me to thinking, what is it all about? What is it for? And in that same passage, David gives the response. The response to the question, why are we accumulating all this wealth? We don't even know who eventually is going to haul it away. And then verse 7, but now, O Lord, upon what am I relying he says, you are my only hope. The truth is that none of us are going to get out of this world alive unless Jesus comes back. The best that we can do is to cooperate with him. You know, in this passage of scripture later on, he says, you severely discipline people for their sins. You know, how many things in this life are self-inflicted? Are the results or the consequences of. Of our actions or our inaction. And if only we had the perspective of eternity and could see how quickly it is all passing, perhaps it would help us not to make such terrible choices. He finishes the passage by saying, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Don't ignore my sobs. I'm a resident foreigner with you and a temporary settler. Turn your angry gaze away from me so that I can be happy before I pass away. You know, the heart cry of David here is, I need you, God. I'm so little. I don't see very clearly. I don't see very far. And one of the questions I've been asking this week is, Lord, what is best? How should I invest these few short months or years that I have left in this world? It got me to thinking. And today I wanted to share with you a few of the things that I wrote this past week when I sat down And wrote out, what would I do if I only had six months left to live? What would I do? And what would I stop doing? You know, it's a sobering thought. And it's probably not a thought you may want to think. I don't know. But I think it's a helpful exercise to sit down and realize that, as verse 5 says, Thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and my age is as nothing before me. Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity, just emptiness, like a vapor. And so I made this list. If I had six months left to live, what would I do? I would finish writing my books. I'm writing two books right now, Beyond Outreach and A Place to Call Home. One is a novel and the other is a nonfiction book. But getting these ideas down in some format to pass on to future generations is important to me. I would get those finished. I would watch more sunrises. I would have my devotions each day and delight myself in God. I would passionately date my wife. I would record and write messages for my children to remember the important truths that I want to pass on to them. I would delegate all of my jobs and the things that I'm doing that Will continue to need to be done. I would eliminate social media from my life. I would delete Facebook. I would stay off my phone except to talk with friends or family. I would enjoy eating good food. I would throw parties for my friends and I would talk long into the night and squeeze every gathering for every life-giving moment that I could find. I would push myself to do as much as I could do physically. I would not just rest and take it easy. I would have long talks with Rochelle and each of my children. I would listen to beautiful music. I would waste, quote unquote, whole days walking, riding bikes, canoeing, kayaking. I would look for things to be thankful for and call them out. I would smile at everyone I met. I would focus my time on my local community of faith and my family staying here at Victory Acres. I would make sure that all of my affairs were in order financially and review my wishes with my executor. I would plan my funeral and celebration of life to include all the things that are important to me. It would take time for prayer and for soul searching. I would say my goodbyes to my loved ones and I would die in peace, committing my soul to my faithful father. You know, I don't know how much time I have left, but whether it's 45 years or whether it's six months, I realized as I wrote this list, that these are some of the things that I should be doing anyway. And knowing that our time is limited, I think helps us to focus on what's really important. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to think about living a life with no regrets in 2023 living intentionally, living with purpose, not just floating down the river of life. What are the things that you will wish you had done? What are the things that are important? I challenge you to put the big rocks in first. You're probably familiar with the concept and the illustration, but a few years ago I heard it for the first time and it made an impact on me. A man talking to a group of high-powered executives about time management, brought out a wide-mouthed mason jar, set it on the table in front of them, put some large stones in it, and asked, is the jar full? Some people said yes, and other people said no. And He took out a smaller container of gravel and poured it down into the crevices between the large rocks and then asked, is the jar full? And they were catching on. They said, no, it's not full. He said, you're right. He pulled out a little bucket of sand, poured it in. It went into the crevices between those larger rocks and smaller stones and then ask is the jar full and somebody said no and he said you're right and he pulled out a pail of water and poured it in until it was full to the brim and he asked the question what is the point point?" and one man raised his hand and said no matter how full your schedule is you can always put something more into it <laughs> and he said no that's not the point point. the point is this if you don't put the big rocks in first You will never get them in at all. What are the big rocks in your life? What are the things that as you're lying on your deathbed, you will regret not doing? I want to challenge you to think about that. And if you're a pastor, if you're part of a congregation, what does it mean to live with intentionality and purpose? I'm going to do my best to share this truth with the congregation here at the gathering this morning. There's some things that I think in 2023 that we need to be more intentional about one of those is that we need to grow in relationship with god you know this year i'm hoping to have some special days of prayer for our congregation some special revival meetings some times for scripture engagement for really working through scripture as a congregation in an intentional way to draw closer to god i believe that we need to develop our capacity to really worship It's something that's been on my heart. You know, many times we can just kind of go through the motions. We've got three songs and we've sung them and now we worshiped, but not just going through the motions, but really entering into God's presence. You know, he is worthy of our worship and we need to be entering in, in a way that truly glorifies him. I want to develop our, our capacity to really worship. As a congregation, we need to grow in relationship with each other. And we're going to talk about some of the ways and things that uh, I believe are important in, in helping us do that. And then we need to call out and develop the gifts within the body. You know, taking time to think about what needs to be done and who best to do it means that we really start by valuing the people that God has placed us in relationship with. And I believe that there's a there's a gold mine right under our noses here in each and every person that God has put gifts in and, and those need to be developed. And then I believe we need to identify and invest in key opportunities. And part of that is saying a holy no. You know, saying the holy no so that we can truly say a complete yes to what God is leading us to do. And so what are the things that we need to say no to? so that we can say a more complete yes to what God is leading us into. You know, none of us know exactly what 2023 will hold. But I believe that we're heading into a time of great social upheaval. I believe that we're heading into a time where there's going to be need, probably need like we've never seen it before. And so it's on my heart to not just build a higher fence, but build a longer table. How can we prepare for the storm that's on the horizon? And I don't say that in a pessimistic or doom and gloom kind of way. I believe there's great hope. And I believe that God's people are going to shine brighter and brighter until the perfect day. I believe that there's there's hope in the gospel. And that when Jesus said it is finished, it really was. The war has already been won. The battle's not over. But the war has already been won. And so, living with intentionality, living with purpose, means that we are pushing forward in faith, not in fear, not stockpiling food for the doomsday scenario, but building a longer table, finding ways that we can make room for the people that God is sending us and will send to us. Just this past week, we welcomed another family here at the farm and yesterday i spent several hours working on a wood miser job together with a young man that's going to turn 34 this week i met him when he was first eight years old in inner city Indianapolis, and now he's married with two children and they're here walking the road with us at victory acres without going into all the details of their story which is theirs to tell. I'll just say that God is teaching me a lot of lessons and as I'm endeavoring to walk the road with them and love them and speak the truth in love, there are some things that I'm learning about myself and I'm asking God to help me to understand my mortality, to help me realize how quickly my life will pass. As I sat this past week having multiple conversations with disciples that are part of our congregation having hard conversations but conversations that were needed i realized that a large part of the work that god has given me to do is shepherding the hearts of these people that he's given me to walk with and there's times when doing that makes people angry I'm not talking about being belligerent or pugnacious. I'm, I'm talking about loving them enough to not just tell them what they want to hear and tickle their fancy, but to call out things that need to be seen. Doing that from a heart of love that's taken a lot of time to pray about it before you actually say what you are going to say. One of the situations this past week, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning thinking about burden for walking the floor and praying and seeking god for it and it made the conversation that i had over lunch that day i believe turn out a whole lot differently than it would have if eric had just gone in like a bowl in the china shop and slammed things down and set things to quote unquote right my tone would have been completely different but it was a conversation that had to happen But it needed to happen in the right way. And so I'm asking God to help me. You know, the first part of this, this passage starts out with, I decided I will watch what I say and I'll make sure that I don't sin with my tongue. And I held back the urge to speak and my frustration grew. My anxiety intensified. I've been there. I feel like I'm going to bust. I just got to say something. You can just imagine what David felt like as he's walking up that road with Shimei throwing dust at him and hurling insults. He wanted to defend himself. He wanted to say something. And yet, when he did finally speak, it's not to Shimei. It's to God. Oh Lord, help me to understand my mortality, the brevity of life, and let me realize how quickly my life will pass. All those insults, all those things that other people will say about me really don't even matter, and I don't even need to take the time or the energy to respond To all the comments on Facebook. Or all the things that people are hurling at me in text form or in gossip form or in other form. I, I don't need to go there. My life is too short to respond to all of that. Instead, what I need to do is keep my eye on the ball. I don't know where you're at with this today, but I just want to encourage you. To live a life with no regrets. To live a life invested in the work of God and in the people that he's given you to serve in the place where you are. Right here and right now. This is the only life you have. So live it. For gleaning and gathering. God bless.